Consequence Podcast Network. This episode brought to you by Nick B. Nick B. Fun fact: He subscribes to that DC Universe. You know what I'm talking about? No. Well, everything now is a streaming service, and we're now right. at the hellscape that is cable. But now you have to pay individually for everything. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> so he's been watching that Teen Titans show on there, but it's just called Titans. Oh. Right. He says it's really good. Okay. I saw that and I was like, oh, he's a football fan. <laughs> and it was not the same thing. He probably is a football fan, but if he's not a Derby County oh, yeah. football fan, he ain't doing it right. It's Manchester United or nothing, bloke. Oh, my oh. God. This episode brought to you by Tom. Tom. So today we have the Brown Recluse. Oh, oh wait. Don't we have Brown Recluses locally? We do. Oh, yeah. They terrible. are native to Nashville. And I know some people who. Um, I've been bit by one. Have you? Yeah. Uh oh. What? Okay. So Brown Recluses. They are Loxus Recluse. Don't check that. <laughs> don't check that, guys. Yeah, don't fact check It's 100% <laughs> how you say it. I think my authentic accent was yeah. so convincing. It was too spot on. Yeah, yeah. Similar to other recluse spider bites, their bite sometimes requires medical attention the brown recluse spider is one of three spiders with medically significant venom in north america medically significant venom sounds like a weird flex for a spider (laughs) (laughs) tom thanks for bringing some more spider facts into our life kill me now this episode also brought to you by rebecca Rebecca. hey rebecca i like how your voice gets deeper he's like rebecca (laughs) whoa jen (laughs) wow don't get jealous jen (laughs) okay wow um hey rebecca did someone ever say you have bad taste? Because I think you look delicious. Oh, okay. That's an appropriate uh, cannibal pickup line. You know how hard it is to find like safe for podcasts cannibal pickup lines? So if you want to look like you have good taste, get some Mickey ears oh, from okay. Straight like on Tell Disney, business. which is Rebecca's Etsy you store. You don't even have to eat them. No, you do not. But you can. And <laughs> also complete that rat suit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. This episode also brought to you by Ryan. Ryan. Let me tell you the truth about Ryan, guys. Ryan cancels school for snow when there's no fucking snow outside. Yeah, that's Ryan calling right now <laughs> saying school is out. That's the Ryan line. Is I'm it really, really glad yeah. that we have fucked up weather and Ryan's not me today. And I'm not even a fucking teacher anymore, so I can't do it. I have a lot of work to do and I'm not a teacher anymore and I can't enjoy it anymore. Welcome mm-hmm. back to another episode of The Patreonicals. The Patreonicals. Oh, uh, is it, are, we, are we there already? Oh, we're there, Mikey. So this one starts out with Isaac. Hey, Isaac. a villain. Oh, uh uh-oh. So what he does is- He's turned to Shadow? He's in South America. But isn't Shadow the evil organization in this? Uh, Mikey, it is. I actually listen to the podcast. But he's he's gone rogue from Shadow. No. He is in South America hiding from Shadow. (laughs) Why? Hear me out. (laughs) He's heard of Eddie. The zoologist? Yeah. Also, he has powers like Aquaman. He can, like, talk to animals. Oh. Wow. Wait, Eddie can? on. I can't believe this whole time he had superpowers, (laughs) and we're only just now finding out about it. He (laughs) has been burying the lead. Or just thought of it. (laughs) How do you guys think he was in all those situations? It just makes too much Mm, sense. It does. I get it. It it was right in front of us the the whole whole time. time. (laughs) So he has the sloth calling out for Eddie. Mentally, though. Right. Yeah. Real slowly because he's a sloth. It would be great if sloths talked real fast. And just like, (laughs) like they talk like they're like doing coke all day. (laughs) But they're just like super slow, but they're like coked out. So anyway, Derek, this episode brought to you by Derek. Yeah. Hey, Derek. Well, Derek's family died in the Final Destination plane crash. What? Oh, no. So he went to South America to find himself again and like really learn to live. And he Mm -hmm. goes hiking in the jungle. 
So anyway, Eddie, troubled by the cries of the sloth. <laughs> Did you actually write this? <laughs> Why are we laughing at that part? <laughs> he was heading into the jungle to try to save him, but then some snakes came up and they're like, whoa, Eddie. Slow Stop. Down. Wow. <laughs> and they warned him it's a trap. So Eddie's like, well, fuck oh that. I'll God. turn it back. It's <laughs> a trap. So- wow. <laughs> so then Isaac, also he's a cannibal. <laughs> What? He was trying to lure Eddie out to steal his powers by eating him. Oh. Okay. So anyway, Derek is like, oh man, I don't know if I will find the will to live, but he's like, he like finally goes over a hill and sees a waterfall and there's like a bird flying. Oh, what does it mean? He's like, you know what? I feel God and I know what I need to do to live again. And then uh, Isaac kills him and eats him slowly. Is that what he needed to do? No. I mean, Isaac Become food? Yeah. Become food. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And Isaac just felt sad because he ate the sadness. Because that's what he absorbed? Matthew Mm. comes. Eddie called Matthew on right his, yeah. on his okay. way, so he comes and he like investigates or whatever. And Eddie's like, "Yeah, he's a <laughs> random dude. <laughs> he's not a random dude. He ate Derek in the story. He's a random dude. Oh yeah." And then mm. uh, he left on his submarine, and Matthew's like, "Well, damn." Matt's participation this week was just that he was late to the party. Well, like. He's used to like these big, over the top supervillain plots. Yeah. Uh-huh. What's he going to do to stop a serial killer cannibal? I guess we'll find out next week <laughs> on that episode of The Patreon. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well. This episode also brought to you by Chris. Chris wants to remind everyone that they are loved and that we all care about you and that everyone is amazing. And you're never alone. I'm watching. Oh. oh, okay. No, I just feel like, right, it, well. like if, you know, if you have any trouble, just reach out. I, I will gladly connect you to resources or something. Whereas Mikey is a therapist, <laughs> he's not your therapist, right. but <laughs> can get you in touch with a therapist. Uh, yes, I will try to help you find one. Yeah. And therapy is awesome. Listen, it saved my life. No joke. You're welcome, everyone. Mikey, I have a therapist, but you're not my therapist. <laughs> 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 Do you guys see that dude outside our window? Uh-oh. He looks like he's eating a lot of theme music. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Throw it up. We're just looking for that one. No, I know. I thought we were just talking. (laughs) (laughs) Is this not friendship? (laughs) Welcome to the horror version, everybody. (laughs) I'm Jen. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. Yes, we do. And this week, if you guys were wishing that The Revenant was a buddy comedy about cannibalism, (laughs) boy, do we have a movie for you, because you guys made me watch Ravenous. That's right. So, Mikey, you've mentioned you've seen this movie before. Jen, have you seen this movie before? I have, yeah, a couple years ago. I saw it in theaters. What? Really? Were you the only one? (laughs) Yes. Well, because I worked at Regal at the time, so... So you didn't even pay to go see it. No. You're the reason it did so badly. We'll talk about Mikey. it. Mikey! Well, I mean, I get two free passes a day. Job. So what did you guys think about it when you first saw it back then? I thought it was really unique, and I liked it a lot because I thought the humor was weird, and like I liked the journey of the main character, and it was kind of unlike anything else coming out at the time. I think yeah. it's still unlike anything else that's out at the time. The 90s were wild about movies that were cool. And sound effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jen, did you see it in the 90s? I think I saw it in college, so that would have been like a couple of years after it came out, and I don't 
don't I remember seeing it and I remember seeing Cannibal the musical and I don't remember <laughs> which one I thought which one it was. But I don't remember very much about it except thinking that Guy Pierce was hot. And then I watched it a couple of years ago and loved it. I was because like, Guy Pierce is hot. He is yeah. hot, man. I get it. Yeah. He's a handsome man. Still is. Do you guys feel the same way about it tonight, having seen it already? Yeah, I really like it. I still really like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's quirky, but it's real unique and it's interesting. So weird. Like I could not tell you who this movie is for, but I did not hate it. It's from it, Mikey. I mean, it's kind of a Mikey movie. When yeah. you said it was a Mikey movie before we started it, I was like, oh, awesome. It's going to be really funny. And it wasn't. It was just really <laughs> weird. And it was very strange. Yeah, it's just real oddball, you yeah. know. But the story is really interesting, too. Yeah. Like, it goes in a lot of places you're not expecting. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Like, fair. at one point you were like, is this movie over? And yeah. it was like 20 minutes into right. it. Right. And Guy Pearce is hot, but I really like the character. He goes on a journey, man. He grows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He grows places. Boyd. <laughs> oh, Boyd. So, Jen, let's get into this fucking movie. All right. So, we start with a Nietzsche quote and then eat me right underneath now with like a really quirky stupid sound effect yeah like yeah. A yeah. Boing. yeah it's like what is happening i know I, in fact i looked at mikey and said what is happening <laughs> right i was like this movie's weird yeah yeah and, it and is. it's right off the bat it yeah. is yeah um and then guy pierce is getting an award for bravery they're called medals in the military no. yeah <laughs> Okay, he's getting a medal yeah, for there you bravery. Go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're saying it really sarcastic. Medal. It's probably legitimately like what happens. I want to go and apologize to anyone in the armed services <laughs> right now. Who has a medal? I mean, oh, all right. So Guy Pierce, whose name is Boyd in this movie. Right. Yeah, he's getting an award for bravery. And then we see him, a flashback of him in combat, and he's laying down on the ground. And we're going to continue to see more of these flashbacks, like kind of this scene unfolding. Should we just go through and say the backstory now? Yeah, let's, yeah, do, let's do it. Because it more or less is he's fighting in the Mexican-American War. Mm-hmm. Everyone's dying around him and the Mexican army is pushing in and he just lays down and pretends to be dead. dead yes, yeah. yeah. And then later he gets picked up as a dead person yeah. and they stack a bunch more dead people on top of him. When he's explaining the story to somebody else, that's when I learned that boy doesn't know what buried means. Oh, yeah. Because he says they buried me, but well, they didn't. He, they just stacked Stacked him in was, bodies on a wheelbarrow. Well, he was buried in bodies. But he was stacked on a wheelbarrow. No, he wasn't, wasn't buried underground, though. If there's like nine pillows on me, I'm like buried in pillows. Or like, <laughs> if there's nine women on me, I'm like buried in... In dreams? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in delusions. In delusions. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but he's voiceovering during the... They're like, how did you win your award, your medal for bravery? And he's like, I was a coward. Yeah, he says that. And because what happened was he pretended to be dead. He got buried under a bunch of bodies. And then, like, blo- and we keep seeing shots of his bloody face. And I didn't realize it was his face at first. Yeah, well, because um, it's incredibly bloody. Yeah. Exactly. Because it's blood. He's like, there was a shot up head right on top of his me. His commander. Yeah, and all of his friends. So the blood is, like, dripping down onto his face and into his mouth. And so then he crawls out and gets the strength to, like, get out from under the pile of bodies he's under. And then he, like, takes over the outpost, right? right? because yeah. he got behind enemy lines because right. they thought he was dead, yeah. So, I mean, he did a brave thing by capturing the enemy command, but he did a cowardly thing by not fighting in combat and pretending to be dead. But so. I think it at least cancels each other out. Like, he did a very right. cowardly thing to get behind enemy lines and then took over the whole watch post or whatever it was by right. himself. There's so much talk of him being cowardly in this movie, and it's just sometimes 
sometimes I think it's just like self-protective stuff, you know, like if he was going to die, he didn't die because right? he made a different choice. You I know? agree. When you look at that, there's there's a lot of like comparing your personal feelings versus like toxic masculinity. He's in a battle where he's surrounded on all sides. He was going to die anyway. Right. Yeah. So he just pretends to be dead. And then like when he gets back and all these people were like, well, you should have died with them. You're not a real man or whatever. And like. It's just all bravado. I would have 100% said, well, I took over the outpost by myself. You can hug every inch of my dick. He did a super brave thing, which is ultimately the command is giving him a award for bravery. Right. So, like, he actually did earn that. But the way the movie positions it is, like, he won this award, but actually is a coward. And I just don't feel like he actually is a coward. Well, no, I don't think command, so either. The general calls him a He's like, you're a coward, and I, would, I don't want you in my company. Right. Yeah, that's essentially why he gets sent to Camp Spencer or whatever, Fort Spencer. Yeah. yeah. What I like about his character is that he thinks he's a coward throughout the movie, but all he does is brave actions. Yeah. Yeah, and like survives. Well, so Leo McGarry, who is um I love the Leo McGarry I do too, from man. the West Wing. And he is the general, but I call him Leo McGarry because I just love him so much. Yeah. Okay, so Leo McGarry says, You're no you're no hero, man. I don't want you in my uh, outfit. And so he sends him to California. Because he's being honored as a hero, they can't just shoot him or kick him out or they like court martial right him. they do yeah. but it's like in name only so they can like keep the story under wraps or something but so he has to go out west and so they're sending him to basically fort boring where nothing happens fort, fort boring also, is a good name for it i mean yeah. he's got ptsd from this whole thing oh anyway. definitely because like yeah. they're all eating they're all around the table eating like rare steaks pretty yeah. raw yeah really he, rare yeah, yeah. The, i like the credits because like the title card comes up as he like has a runaway from the dinner honoring him because he can't deal with the sight of blood and throws up and it's like ravenous yeah so i have a question real quick how far away is where the beginning of the movie starts and California? Probably. Because that commanding officer goes to Fort Boring twice in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought at the very beginning it was real far away. Yeah. But well, it seems like it's, it might be sort of close. So if it's the Mexican-American War, I imagine that would probably be around where Texas is right now. I mean, the border California. goes from Texas all the way to Southern California, so it could be Southern California. Yeah. But, I mean, Fort Boring has to be somewhere in Northern California because it snows there. Maybe the general's in charge all of California, so he's, like, in a place close to the fort. But could like, be. I mean, he's not going to be close to the front. I mean, come on now. No. That's a good catch. But I, I just explain it away with, you know, it's a movie. That's yeah. true. And Leo McGarry can do no wrong. That's true. Okay, so now he's on his way out to Fort Boring, and yes. he's got a lady named Martha, I think, with him. And yeah. they are he's in a horse, and she's got a draggy wagon. A dragon? No. Oh. No. That's going to get very confusing. It's not a dragon. But it is a wagon with no wheels. It is a wagon. With no, it's a, just like a sled. A wheelless wagon, yeah. It's a wheelless wagon. It's like a historical thing that people use to drag stuff. You remember when you couldn't fathom what a coal cart was, Mikey? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, listen to the change. Like it should be called Coal Wagon. Okay, Coal Wagon. <laughs> and so they get to Fort Boring, and it looks real boring. Hence it the name. It looks horrible. Yeah. yeah, it looks like it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's snowing. and it's just trees. I don't know if it's snowing yet. It's but the snowing. Mount- I don't think it's snowing when he gets there. It's not. The, it's not snowing yet, but the mountains are snow topped. So guess who is the principal of Fort Boring? It's Ferris Bueller's principal, Principal Rooney. It would be one of his ancestors that would be the principal. Yeah. Yes. Uh, for Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Right. And I right. think when we say principal, we mean like general of the fort he's or something. He's just like the head guy at the fort. Yeah, the principal. He, the reason he's out in Fort Boring is because he's not allowed within 500 miles of children. Ooh. Wait, what? The guy from Ferris Bueller was arrested for child porn. 
What? And that's why I got sent to Fort Boring. Oh, so you're not being, that's not I'm real? I'm not joking. What? Except about the Fort Boring part. Well, except, except the, <laughs> he was rich. He didn't have to home. go back in time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. Guys, we're uh. making light of a real serious thing. Um, yeah, he, but let's not talk about it. Yeah. Guys, if you want to know more about it, Google the actor's name, 2002 Legal Trouble. Yeah. Which is what I just did, and it's not great. It's not great, and the punishment he received is not great. No, nope, so. it's not. But Principal Rooney is also, so we're just going to talk about his character but his character is pretty great in the movie i mean he's yeah he goes on a wild ride for sure yeah 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 so principal rooney is the principal of fort boring and he's real boring he's like reading his books and like cracking nuts with his books and stuff well he seems (laughs) lonely Well, you, he, he does. Inter- he narrates kind of, he like introduced you to the cast of characters. Yeah, he yeah. sort of sets up the people who are at the camp. He's talking to Guy Pierce, uh-huh. and he's like, hey, Dreamy McSweater, these are the other people that are here. <laughs> and he's explaining the guy who's like the preacher guy. I like it because it's like the thing. It is sort uh-huh. of like the thing, yeah. He's like, um, we got the weird preacher guy, we got the alcoholic major, Yeah, we got a uh, fucking asshole dick soldier guy. It cuts to everyone as he's explaining who they are, and uh-huh. like you see the preacher guy putting up a cross on like a steeple or whatever, mm-hmm. and you see the doctor, who's the major, getting drunk, you see uh-huh. him drinking, and then he talks about the soldier, him being like a, Reich is his name, right. uh-huh. he's like a badass soldier, and then it cuts to him orgasming a river, <laughs> and I was like, what the hell yes. is happening he's- in this scene? He's taking the polar plunge. Yeah. He- he is. But he's just standing in a flowing river, like, shrieking with that, like, really wide-eyed look he's got on it's his like face. It's like three seconds of insanity. But then we also have Dewey from Scream, from Scream who yes. is David Arquette. And yeah. he's as dumb in this movie as he is in Scream. Yep, a little it's more stoner. insane. Yeah, his character thinks he's in, like, a ski movie from, mm-hmm. like, the early 2000s. Aspen Extreme? Yes, or like Out Cold. Have you guys yeah. seen Out Cold? I love Out Cold. It's such a it. bad movie, though, but he no. thinks he's in that movie. I don't want to fight you. <laughs> Over Zach Galifianakis' <laughs> first feature vehicle? <laughs> Next you're going to tell me Ski School or Ski School 2 is not a good film? <laughs> I mean, I watched Out Cold at a hotel while I was traveling once. I watched it all the way through. <laughs> I wanted to know what happened to the mountain. <laughs> they save it. They do. They save a mountain? Well, they well, save a ski evil ma- corporation. We're not going to get into it. We're not going to get into Out Cold. Anyway, so we've introduced the cast of characters that we're going to have around for the entirety of the movie. Yes. And by the entirety yeah. of the movie, I mean the next 20 minutes. We also have George and Martha. That's who true. Who are the indigenous people. Oh, you mean the locals, the as they locals. call them? The locals. Uh-huh. Which I guess is They fair. came with the place, meaning <laughs> we built this land on their home. Or they lived here first. Yeah. I will yeah. actually give to this movie, there's no like negative stereotypes or making fun of native, like there's, the characters don't belittle, they treat them as right. equals. That is true. And they sort of do acknowledge that this is their land. Like they call them locals. Yeah. Although I wouldn't well, say that's Well, that's why I like but... this movie. Like everyone in this fort, like just does not give a shit about like anything thing they're doing no well and so they're like this is their land we're just here to, like we were told to be here except well, then, for ives yeah ives talks about manifest destiny towards yeah. the end and how it's like yeah, this he's great the wonderful thing of the whole i movie. mean yeah. you're not wrong <laughs> i'm just saying that it is addressed yeah when you're that isolated with that few people you kind of just start accepting people you know oh yeah, yeah it's almost like if you surround yourself with people who are different than you you'll be mm. more accepting of those who are different than you. exactly because you start to see them as human beings but so he's talking about how fort boring is basically the over Overlook Hotel for 
pre-Civil War army forts. Because <laughs> in what way? In no because way. they get real isolated in the winter and they run on a skeleton crew. Okay. Uh, but yeah. the thing. It's like the thing where they're like, it's the winter, we don't see anybody. Can you two stop shoehorning <laughs> in your favorite horror IP into this movie? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we see Boyd kind of walking out into the snow, and it's so pretty. It is. And, but it also lets us know how isolated they are. Yeah, because they're super isolated, but it exactly. is very pretty. It's just all white. And... But this is when we get the extended flashback that we've already talked right. about. So the colonel is like really trying to be friends with Boyd because you can just tell he's kind of lonely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, yeah. And he wants somebody that's not insane or drunk right. all the time. And that's pretty much the rest of the cast of characters right. that are at this fort. And Boyd does sort of explain to him how he got the medal of cowardice or yeah. bravery or whatever, yeah. Yeah, he says, how'd you get your medal? And he says, cowardice. Yeah, but then yeah. That, that's when we see the rest of that flashback that mm-hmm. you were talking about. Yeah. And I think that the colonel is pretty accepting of who Boyd is, and they, they seem to develop yeah. a real friendship before everything goes to shit. Yeah, it seems like a pretty cool place for having nothing around or going on ever, but yeah, yeah they're like play, having dinner, like, he's like, so what everybody do today? That scene was so stupid, because it was just Principal Rooney saying, what everyone do today? And then David Arquette laughing like a stoner, and then right. scene. Yeah. That's real dumb. Well, it just kind of shows you, like, they're not really doing much. And yeah. they're not really friendly either. Yeah, because yeah, they like, asked Boyd, like, what his Harveys are, and he's, like, swimming, and they're like... Not much of that in the mountains. (laughs) So they are sharing a drink from drunk Knox. Yeah, because Major Knox passes out and they're like, hey, let's go drink some bourbon. The colonel's like, he's got really good bourbon. Yeah. Let's steal it because he's drunk. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, like, is he going to care? He's like, Probably eh, not. fuck it. Who cares? He's drunk. Who gives a shit? Also, I'm his boss. So. Yeah. But so while they're having a drink, he's kind of talking about how like they've escaped the world and this is kind of an isolated, peaceful place if you want. And then Boyd sees something out the window. I do like that this movie immediately gets to the crazy. Like, Me too. It, it goes from him getting there. We probably mm. have about seven minutes of him meeting the cast of characters and seeing the camp. Just establishing. Yeah. yeah. And then boom, Ives well, is there. I guess it's Calhoun at this yeah, point. Yeah, Calhoun. But yeah. I, in, my, in my head canon, it's like been a couple of days. No, no, I think it has been a couple of days. Yeah. But yeah. we don't spend 40 minutes in the movie. Right, that's what I'm saying. The movie likes to chuck along. It moves. Yeah. I yeah. like that. All right, so we see somebody out the window, and it's a man, and they go outside, and he's, like, laying on the ground all, like, hurt and stuff. Well, and hypothermic. So, well, and they bring him in, and they put him in a big tub of water, and you thought that it was, like, a big hanging cauldron over a fire, and they well, were no, going to cook Well, no, they did him. have a big hanging cauldron over a fire, and then you, the next thing you see is him getting into a big pot. Uh-huh. So, I think it was stew shadowing. Oh, my God, it was stew shadowing Mikey <laughs> delicious delicious stew shadowing well because you said I thought they were gonna make stew and I was like well not yet and not from that guy but maybe that's how we got the idea I mean I guess that's fair it, it is a good stew shadowing so now Boyd notices that there's blood on his shirt but they're saying that the frostbite didn't really get to him too much so kind of noticing it looks like he's in pretty good condition yeah he's in pretty good know. condition considering yeah. yeah and the next day he's awake and so he they help him get some clothes on and then they start hearing his story Oh, I thought this was just later that night because he stands up butt-ass naked in this movie. And I was like, there's no way a woman didn't direct this because every man is hairless and he's completely as naked. Yeah. Yeah. I do like that Jen didn't take the bait on right, my, no. my nope. female gaze comment. Nope. Not going to do it. Actually, I think they were picking him up to put him in bed. No, he stands up of his own volition. Mm, I think he No, he does because just... I saw his ass. <laughs> Busted. We <laughs> got right. her. Wrap it up, boys. But 
Dr. Knox man is drunk and does not ever see him, which is going to be important later. Right. Yes. Yeah. But so he's starting to tell his story. First, he's asking where he is, and they say he's in the Severa Nevada Mountains in California. And then he starts crying, and he says his name was Calhoun. He was out there for three months. And they're like, three months without food? Oh, you look pretty good for not having eaten in three months. Well, and then he says, I didn't eat food or there wasn't any food, but. Yeah, he said, I said no food. I didn't say there was nothing to eat, which is ominous. It is very very ominous. ominous. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. His story is that six people in his party left in April. And there was a guy in the party that said he knew a shorter route. And I think the guy was Ives. Colonel Ives. Yes. And so by the time the first snow fell, they were like 100 miles from where they were supposed to end up. And so they took shelter in a cave and they were going to wait the snowstorm out. But turns out the snowstorm turned into forever. And they eventually ran out of food. So they started eating the oxen, and then they ate their horses and even had to eat his poor dog. Oh! And then they started to eat their belts and their shoes. Because they're leather. Yeah, could, so because it was once an animal part, you could actually eat yeah, it? Yeah, genuine, like you can boil genuine leather stuff and like make it soft and eat it. Really? Mm. I'm sure it's not delicious, but yeah. yeah. And the food, like the oxen, the horses, and the dog only lasted them a month. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So after they ate all of their footwear and belts... Um, one of the guys died and he died from malnourishment and Calhoun was out of the cave when he died. But when he came back, they had cooked his legs for dinner and he says some interesting stuff. He's saying, I don't know if I would have stopped it if I'd been there because when he came in, like the smell of cooking meat was so like he thanked the Lord for it because he was so hungry. So they ate this dude Jones. And then they were soon hungry again. And I mean, there are five of them at that point, too. And they're probably they're probably ravenous. So. Yeah. Um, but he said they were soon hungry again, except this time the hunger was a little different. And that Colonel Ives in particular could not be satisfied. And so then he started killing them. And Calhoun said he acted in a cowardly manner and he left the lady, Mrs. McCready, with Ives and left the cave. Right. So that's his origin story of how he got there. Calhoun's origin story. So now Rooney said, a lady's out there? Oh, we must rush to defend her honor. It's our job. I know, because we're men. I mean, but it is their job. Yes. Well, and I mean, it's their job to rescue anyone, but it's just interesting how they're like, as soon as they find out there's a lady still in danger, they're all like on their white horses. Well, I I don't know. I mean, I I feel like they mostly felt reluctant, except for like Reich. Well, they didn't leave right then. They slept in a little bit. Right. I mean, like, I think he's like, we have to go. It's our jobs. Yeah. I don't feel like they got on their white horses to go save. Well, no, I think because when they said there's a lady there, like, and there's another time when Boyd mentions and she's like, and you ate her too. I think they're pretty incensed about it. And I think that kind of plays into the narrative of like the bravado that you're talking about you know and it's not like a huge plot point but for a movie that has basically no women in it like this is one of the female characters even though we never really see her but i mean she is the catalyst for them like leaving yeah you know and then as they're getting ready to go george is telling them about the wendigo it's like mad cow disease but for humans kind of yeah and it's like the more um you eat the stronger he becomes and the more he eats the more he wants to eat yeah, his hunger gets bigger right oh so it's more like highlander because when you eat them you absorb their power no you have to cut their heads off in highlander i know but i'm sure you have to cut their heads off when you eat somebody to prepare them 
Well, if you eat the head. This metaphor checks out. (laughs) (laughs) That argument is foolproof. (laughs) But they do say something interesting. They say white men eat the body of Jesus Christ every Sunday. I mean, yeah. (sighs) Metaphorically, bro. And so now we're off on our Lord of the Rings style journey. Yes. Fellowship of the Rings. Martha and Stoner, David Arquette, went for an errand. They did, yeah, yeah but they've already gone. left with their shopping yeah. list with women yeah. on. But it. that's why that's why they don't go with them. Yeah, but yeah. they left before Calhoun yeah, got yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, but, right. Just to tell you that they're not in this party. So we've got Principal Rooney, Boyd, Reich, who's the crazy river jizz guy, <laughs> river <laughs> the soldier guy, jizz right. guy. Yeah, soldier guy. Let's call him that. <laughs> okay, sorry. He's I mean, a soldier boy. We got Toffler, who's always trying to write some hymns, and Calhoun, and they are all setting out to find Miss McCready. Yeah, and this is very like. Fellowship of the Ring. Mm-hmm. They're all walking through the forest trying to find this cave. Yeah, and it's so pretty. But so they end up taking a rest on a mountain. And Boyd, this is like the first time we hear him speak in a complete sentence, I think, too. And it's like 30 minutes into the movie, which I think speaks to his PTSD. He is asking Calhoun about what it was like, what this hunger was. Um, and did he feel physically changed? And I was just saying, yeah, I felt a certain virility, I yeah. think. And I think the reason he's asking this is because Boyd, when he was buried under the stack of bodies, the blood was like going, he said it was going down his throat. So, I mean, he drank the blood of someone else. And yeah. so maybe that's what gave him the strength to like crawl out because he said something changed in me. And so I'm wondering if he's kind of like, yeah, I've tasted this hunger before. Or if he's already like, quote unquote, a cannibal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Or if it's like the the seed has been planted in him, you know? Yeah, I sort of saw it as he knew he was like mentally a little fucked up at this point. Mm-hmm. And he was wondering if there was a way that could, to cure that. But I think you're probably well, right. Well, could be. I no, mean, I think he Boyd is has like a self-esteem problem. So he just wants to like he thinks he's a coward. He also th- probably thinks I think he's like thinks he's a cannibal, and he's like, man, I'm just really fucked up. Yeah. But I think that's when Calhoun is like, hmm, maybe I can work with this guy. Yeah. So Toffler, who's the hymn writing weirdo, finds a bone oh and then God. immediately falls down a mountain. And he's okay, but he's got a big hole in his side. I, I do like that he falls down this mountain, quote unquote. And then Soldier Boy runs <laughs> and just like literally leaps down the mountain while he's like rolling. Right. Like, With that big grin on his yeah, face. Yeah, it's like walkable, but Soldier Boy's like, yeah, let's go <laughs> save this idiot. Well, he likes to mountain jizz too. <laughs> Some people are just clumsy, okay? Wow. And I did not adventure-y. mean to offend you, Mikey. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so now they get back to camp and. They, they're like bandaging up yeah. Hymnal Toffler, Boy. Yeah. Toffler, yeah. He's got a yeah. giant wound in his side. He does, yeah. And so they're doing a little talking. He's demanding bourbon for the pain. But then it's in the, the middle of the night in the tent and Toffler starts screaming. And then Calhoun is just like at the back of the tent with blood on his lips. And they take forever to light that lamp. Mm-hmm. And then eventually. <laughs> I did sort of love Toffler, like, he was licking me. Right. Like, he can't, like, he's like, he's licking me. He's licking me. He was licking me! Yeah, yeah. I mean, very convincing freak out. Yeah. Oh, I think the guy who plays Toffler does a great job. Mm-hmm. I also hate Toffler's character, but I think he's good at it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because he's just playing this kind of weird, maybe mentally not all there character. I do think he has some cognitive disabilities, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But that's such a freaky thing. Like, yeah. to wake up and somebody's licking your wound in the middle of the oh, night. Oh, he moved the bandage. Oh. But the way he delivers those lines, it's just so unsettling. Like, But they pull who they think is Calhoun 
Calhoun out of the tent. Right. And Calhoun was like, I was having a bad dream and I woke up when he started yelling. Yeah, my I, lips were just on his wound. I don't know how I got well, there. I, I love it because like Reich pulls a knife and goes to like kill him. Yeah. And the guy's like, yes, kill, kill him. him. Kill him now. Uh, kill him now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He was licking me. What the fuck? I know. And then they pull yeah. him out of the tent and then he was like, I was having a nightmare. I don't know what was going on. Right. Uh, when he started screaming, I woke up and realized I was like licking him or whatever. I'm so sorry. Bind me up. Tie me mm-hmm. up. I, I, I can't be I, I trusted. I can't be trusted, mm-hmm. which this is the only time in the movie he's honest about anything. Right. And they, But they do True. tie him up. Like that's, yeah. Yeah. that ultimately saves his life, I guess. Colonel Rodney ties him up and it's, you know, they just go about their business. But so the next day they're walking through and he's still like restrained. Um, and George is looking at him and saying he's the Wendigo. Um, and so they get to the cave. And this is yeah. when we started to notice that the music was a little bit insane. No, I mean, the music's movie. been insane the whole movie. Yeah. I know, but this is when I wrote it down. Oh, man, but it's bad. There are parts that I really love it, and then parts where I'm like, this is really They were weird. close to doing something really cool. I have a fun fact, kind of, where they were like non-professional player so it was kind of and they were going for more of like a social i find that really easy to believe (laughs) well i like like the main theme because it's like really like goofy and off-putting and like bizarre and like weird yeah it just makes you feel it does i'll say i hate this music but it sort of fits the movie it does and that's part of why they use non-professional um musicians because they were going for maybe like a social kind of barn performance vibe. i like the scenes where they use that song but like there's more intense scenes where they also use goofy songs which i think it hinders the movie one thing i think that it is interesting is the music is as quirky as this movie is it's real and it fits the movie well it does so now they're at the cave calhoun does not want to go in um, and he's begging them not to send him in. And he doesn't. They, they put him off to the side. Right. And then Calhoun won't go in. Right. So Toffler gets assigned to watch him. George goes up and watches the cave with right. his bow and arrow. Calhoun's right. having a panic attack. Yeah. Yeah. And then they send in Soldier Boy and they and, have to send an officer. So they send in Dreamy yeah. McSweaterface. And the colonel yeah. actually like apologizes. He's like, I'm sorry to send you in there, but like we need somebody else to go in there. Right. Yeah. And I can't do it because I'm scared. All right. So Reich and Boyd are in this cave. And it's very tunnel-y, and so they go it's down. very wet. And in the hole. <laughs> not doing this as above, yeah. so below again, man. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> not gonna Tell drink me about me. this cave. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a campfire in it. Yeah, there is. Um, it's it's the, not going, though. It's no, out. it's not. Yeah. It's deserted, but there's blood. There's like a trail of blood. Ooh. And then they follow the trail of blood, and they find a real deep hole. They do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and then uh, Soldier Boy kind of squeaks down into the yeah. real yes. deep hole. We were all like, fuck that. I'm not going into that hole. Yeah, at all. I've right. never said that. Yeah. And as you can see, like once... <laughs> <laughs> but so once they like light the lantern and you can see a little further into the hole, you realize it's really not that deep. It's yeah. just like a just perfect deep fit. black yeah. hole in the ground that you don't want to go into. It's probably like seven feet deep. Yeah. Seven yeah. inches deep. Mm-hmm. So it goes down in there. And at this point, it's kind of cutting back and forth. So let's just talk about what happens inside the cave first. Okay. They're inside the cave and Reich is following along. Boyd's like, fuck that. I'm not going down in that hole. So he stays out. So Reich finds a bunch of clothes and you said playing cards, right? Yeah, they were yeah. like, uh, it was like an ace of spades, and it was just like cards. Yeah, yeah. like a living quarters is what this Yeah, thing it's is. almost yeah. like someone was holding them hostage down in that place mm. and then killed them all and ate them. Hmm, yeah. And because when he finds the skeletons, or he finds a head first, yeah. right, and that scares him, mm-hmm. and then he stands up with a lantern and you see three skeletons sort of hanging yeah. like you would, oh, is it five? It's five, because that's Sorry. when he figures it out. Oh, that's right. So he sees the five skeletons hanging like you would hang up meat to like dry or yes. whatever, mm-hmm. and then he's like, oh, shit. 
this is a trap. Yeah. Calhoun is the Wendigo. Right. Because there were six people in the party. And his right. story was that Colonel Ives was still right. in the hole. And that so that would leave only four people dead. So this math does not check out. And that's how they know that Calhoun is actually Colonel Ives. Right. Right. And all and the so, bones look like, like chewed on. And it's like, oh, yeah. It's pretty, rough. it's pretty effective. Yeah. But it they is. start to rush out of the hole as quickly as possible. Right. It's yeah. like Mikey on a second date. <laughs> What is this mythical thing you speak of? <laughs> is it just pulling out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a trap. <laughs> it's always a trap. Anyway. Ooh, all right. So let's talk about what's going on outside. Yeah, yes. Five people have been in this hole before me. Oh, it's probably a lot more than that. Oh, you stop counting once it's you hit five. Three, so there's like 15 skeletons at least, in, in that hole. At least 15 in that hole, Mikey. So outside, Calhoun has been walking around and he's kind of like his panic attack. He's still kind of. But he's not having a panic attack. No. He's casting a spell on Toffler. He's like. Shaking his hands well, weird. Right yells, and like, it's a trap. He's come. It's a, this is an ambush. Like, because like, they're in the right. cave, they can't hear it. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so they're outside the cave, and Toffler is getting the spell cast on him. Uh-huh. And then you see Calhoun go and dig up yeah. something. He's like literally looks like a dog digging. Yes, right? he does. Yeah. You yeah. don't see what he digs up, but this is when everyone outside is like, "What the fuck is right. Calhoun doing?" Because at a certain point, he stands up just like all confident now, not having his little fake freak out, and then he just picks up a giant knife. Yeah. And stabs Rooney with it. Yeah, stabs him right in the stomach. Right. And then starts to like saw, saw upwards, yeah. if you will. Mm-hmm. And then George pulls out his like axe and throws his axe trying to kill him. So he. Pulls the colonel over and the axe hits the colonel in the, in the back. back. Yeah. yeah, so he's gotten stabbed and axed. Yes. Yeah. And he he's just, in a bad way. Yeah, he's in a bad way. So he kind of falls down dead, quote dead. unquote. Uh-huh. And then Calhoun picks up the colonel's gun and shoots George. So George is dead. Yeah. And then he looks at Toffler and Toffler's like, oh, whatever shall I do? <laughs> I hate Toffler. Yeah. Well, he just freezes in fear. He does. Yeah, which yeah. I mean is an understandable reaction and maybe that's why he's not on a battlefield right now. Yeah, know? that's why he joined the clergy. And so <laughs> they sort of have this weird moment and Calhoun raises the gun to shoot him. The gun doesn't go off. Right. It's like an awkward moment. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, oh, I hate he's it like, when it does that. And uh-huh. then... He's so annoying. But yeah. this whole time, Toffler's holding a gun and he's yeah. not shooting it. And then when Ives is like, run, he mm-hmm. drops his gun and then runs away. Yeah. And then, of course, Ives chases him. Yes. And now uh, this is when Reich and Boyd get out of the cave. Finally. I know. And Boyd immediately <laughs> goes to see Principal Rooney and see if he's okay. And he's like all bloody all over his face. And, and he's not dying. quite dead, but there's yeah. nothing like they can do for blood. him. Yeah. Like right. he is on his way out. Right. Yeah. So Soldier Boy is going to chase after Ives and Sweater McDreamy face is just there <laughs> trying to like hang out with the the principal. Right. Trying to help. There's nothing you could do for him. Like Which the is most, what Soldier Boy says. He's like, come on, there's nothing you can do. So. Right. Like right. The most help you could be is to shoot him in the head. Right. Like, yeah. Just to put him out of his misery. And we could still try to help Toffler. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so they start to chase after him. Boy yes. does it reluctantly. Yes. With some jaunty music. And this I, is when this it was. This is where I don't think it's good. I well, don't think it's good here either. Because it's it seems like they're chasing chickens around a chicken coop for dinner. And I sort of get the metaphor 
but it's not. I don't know. This could have been really scary mm-hmm. and really creepy, but it's played more like a Benny Hill scare. is what it sounds like. Well, and so the one thing that I do like about this is because they are running and they're running and running and then they stop and there's nothing and you can see around. They don't see anything in the trees. And then they hear Toffler scream and that's when the music changes and it gets more ominous. Yes. And I, actually, I think it happens after they find his gutted body. And that I think I like the change there. I'm not crazy about the like silly music before, but I like the contrast because once right. the music does change tone, I think now it's like, oh shit, this is fucked up. But anyway, they finally do catch up with Toffler and Toffler's like been gutted. Yeah. And it looks like his heart has been removed, although you don't really took see a, it. He took a to-go Toffler. Yeah. He got a little like styrofoam box. He's just running away with it. <laughs> so they then run off. Yeah. And look for Ives. Yes, but now they're just going to kill him because they're not trying to save Toffler anymore. Yeah, but they're going to kill. I mean, exactly. Yeah, you want to kill that person, right? Yeah. And Boyd's well, like, I don't think we should be. Let's should go back. Well, they get to these cliffs and they're like about to make me sick because they're very I, high oh, cliffs. I'm so I scared of heights. Uh, yeah, yeah. And this is when Boyd says he wants to go back. Right. Which is, I think, a self-protective thing, which could easily be read as cowardly, but I think it's him just saying, I don't want any more of the situation. Toffler's already dead. Well, yeah. he looked around, and it's like, this is obviously not a good spot. He's planned right. this. Maybe we should... I mean, like, I, I don't right. think he's using those words, but I mean, like, I don't think it's cowardness to turn back. I don't right. think it is either. It's self-preservation, which right. is what he has been doing his whole life, right? right. Soldier Boy is like, he wants to kill this guy yeah. because he's... And he's already seen him very briefly and shot at him, so he knows he's over there. Mm-hmm. But so then we see um Calhoun back back closer to the trees and he throws his giant knife at Reich and then he ends up falling off the cliff. Yes, because he gets hit by the knife mm-hmm. and then is like, uh, and falls off the cliff. And then Boyd shoots Calhoun and he falls down and we think is dead. And this is when Todd said, is this the end of the movie? I was like, well, what is happening? Boyd's at the edge of the cliff. Calhoun's coming up and being ominous and he gets shot in the in the shoulder or like the chest. Yeah, I thought he got shot in the heart. But so he, we think he's dead. Yeah. And then he just sits up with blood coming out of his mouth mouth and smiles at him oh, and it's crazy. really creepy and at this point in the movie i'm like what the fuck is going on here yeah. yeah and boyd only has one bullet apparently and so he's like oh shit i mean those right. guns did take a long but, time to reload but boyd is brave in the moment he shot him yeah he did and he's also brave right now oh, because yeah. he throws the gun at him and he's like yeah. leave me alone and ives or calhoun at this mm-hmm. point as we know him is like no. Yeah. No, I'm evil. <laughs> I know. And I'm going to eat you. Right. So this is when Sweater McDreamy Face jumps off a mountain into just trees. Yeah. But like real high up. Yeah. Like it's, I I thought, oh, he's dead. I the first was, time I watched it. Same. Yeah. Same. But he falls on trees and we see him bouncing through like a bunch of branches. And what did you say? This was like <laughs> the old like the, west. Yeah. This is like the wild west forest equivalent of like when you see people jump off skyscrapers mm-hmm. and they just fall on these awnings. Awnings. Yeah. All yeah. The way through until they land in the open air pillow truck oh, exactly, yeah. Yeah. the dumpster with like really soft garbage bags uh-huh. <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah but instead of really soft garbage bags he hits a hill and then rolls down the hill yeah. and also hits Reich's body and mm-hmm. Reich's body starts rolling down the hill with he him he says as you I know. Because it's that kind of hill rolling. It is. And then they eventually land in like a pit and Reich is sort of hanging upside down like the skeletons he saw in the Mm -hmm. cave. And then he starts choking Reich, who you thought was dead, starts choking Boyd. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought that was a very weird choice. Well, I think, one, he's got his bravado, and he's like, why didn't you try to, like, fight? I think he's still mad because he wanted to leave. Also, he knows he's about to fucking die, and he just wants to, you know. 
kill somebody yeah else. it was weird i think it was just for a little jump scare that was not effective and boyd's leg is severely broke like bones yes. sticking out of the leg it was mm-hmm. so gross yeah i, mean, I love boyd because he thinks he's a coward but everything he does is brave well Agree. because reich eventually just out of the strangling exer- exertion falls down into the hole and then dies so now he's down in this tree pit ives or calhoun as we know him up to this point is walking around trying to sniff them out trying to find out where they are right and he doesn't find them because they're covered in the tree branches right. yeah it's almost like a little tent made of trees in a pit kind of thing yeah you yeah. might say boyd pitched a tent ah or is that a sex thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah Ow. all right and so now calhoun can't find him and so he kind of wanders off and so now we see kind of like it's not really a musical montage but it's like a it's t- a passage of time yes. for sure mm-hmm. yeah like of boyd being in that hole with dead soldier boy for a long long he, time like, yes. puts, he pushes his bone back in his leg. oh, oh man I yeah hated he does that. but like soundlessly because he doesn't want calhoun to find him right mm-hmm. yeah. well, he puts like a twig in his mouth mm-hmm. yeah and we see so we see some other things like like we see David Arquette, um, Dewey chopping wood back at Fort Boring, just to sort of signify that he got back to the camp. Exactly, from the yeah, air yeah. and he ran. And then we see Calhoun skipping rocks in the river and just kind of hanging out. Oh, and he's outside. eating ribs at that point too. Oh yeah, oh gross. And we see gross. Boyd eating leaves, and we see Martha like imploring the mountains for when her brother's going to come back. Yeah, yeah, and Boyd's sort of eating those leaves and roots. But if you remember from when they were talking to Calhoun about what they were eating in the cave, he was talking about how the roots. We're not satiating at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it sort of foreshadows he's eating roots, but he's about to eat Soldier Boy. Yeah, but we see through the moon. We keep seeing like a full moon and then we see like the various phases. So we know, like, I think it's probably about a month that's passing. You think he's in that hole for a month? I mean, I think he went from a full moon to a fingernail moon. I don't know how long oh, that Oh, yeah, that did happen. But yeah, I think they Couple keep sh- like time stamping with the moon. So he was in there probably like a week. Yeah, but it's okay. enough time for him to get really hungry. I believe it. We also see him like struggling with his hunger and talking to Reich and taking his coat because he's cold. And he's asking Reich what to do. And Reich is just sitting there with this dead grin on his it's face. It's ominous. I did not creepy. like it. Yeah. But so eventually he ends up cutting some off of Reich. And we don't actually see him eat Reich, but he's saying, tell me me what to do and you're safe now and so he cuts a piece off and the next thing we see is him crawling out from under the tree supposedly healed or exactly. healing which we know He's is a feature limping. of yeah and it looks bad so you know yeah. he didn't eat he, he ate only just enough to get out yeah. yeah it's like a feature of eating like so we're led to believe that he ate Reich, although we don't actually see it yeah because that's like a feature of I guess being a cannibal, yeah. Mm -hmm. So he starts walking back through the snow and eventually gets back to Fort Boring. And David Arquette sees him and he's like, yay. And so now he's talking to Martha and he's saying, I need your help because that guy we thought was Calhoun is actually Ives and he's the Wendigo. And I'm sorry about your brother, I didn't kill him. And Martha says, you can't stop the Wendigo. The Wendigo must eat more. He takes, but he never gives. Yeah, well, she says all Wendigos have to die. And he's like, so you see him like, oh, I gotta die too. Yeah. So then we see John Spencer there. Yeah. And he says, apparently they went to go investigate the cave, but they didn't find anything. And they have four missing soldiers, but no explanation. Right. 
And so he's trying to figure out what happened. And Boyd has told him everything. And he's like, no, that sounds crazy. There's no way that happened. Is this where John Spencer's giving him the opportunity to like recant what he was saying? Yeah. That right. sounds honestly he crazy. Said, like if you, if you came in to this situation and someone was like, oh, yeah, a Wendigo ate them. I'd be like, right. oh, you're crazy as shit. Exactly. So, yeah, he's just giving him an opportunity to like recant all that. Well, and probably just like he gave him the opportunity to make an official story about when he got behind enemy lines. Right. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just kind of this narrative of like presenting what we think our soldiers should be like rather than like what the reality of war and like tr- stressful situations actually are. Like men in general. Like you need to say this, not that. Yep. Yeah. I, I think that's why I like this movie because it's like not traditional masculinity, but still yeah. being brave. But so also now Leo is saying, okay, so now let's introduce you to our new colonel because Colonel Rooney died. Or we or don't know missing, where he is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And so the new colonel walks in, and surprise, it's Ives. But he's real cleaned up. He is. and he looks great. Very yeah. evil looking, yeah. too. Yeah. And I remember watching that for the first time and thinking, what the fuck is going on? Oh, I did, too. I was like, Yeah, what? and being, like, really chilled by it, too. Because, you know, like, this, we're still, like, halfway into the movie. So it's like, what the hell? And I love, like, the twists that the story takes. Yeah, I didn't necessarily see that coming, but when I saw him, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because... Because he does mention Ives was the one that told the original party of people that first got eaten, told them to go that direction. Right, that he knew the secret shortcut. Yeah, so like Mm -hmm. when they introduced, I guess now Colonel Ives, I was not super surprised that it was Calhoun. Right. But cool touch. Well, yeah. And I like Boyd because he doesn't back down. He's like, that's the guy. Well, first he faints on the floor, though. Well, I mean, yeah. Still, yeah. Which, I mean, I can imagine. He's like, dealing with some shit. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. When he gets up, he's like, no, because that's the guy. He's yeah. had a, a rough few days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're not a real man unless you fainted on the ground. This is what my dad used to tell me. But yeah, so he stands up and he's like, no, that's the guy who was killing and eating people. Right. Yeah. They're like, mm-hmm. shut up, crazy guy. Yeah. Right. You're yeah. an idiot. But he says, well, I shot him. It would leave a mark. Right, right. Check and, his shoulders. And or so, whatever. to their credit, they do actually check his shoulder. Yeah. And then we have to watch him unbutton all 98 buttons on his tunic. Or do we. Get to watch. Oh God! Um, but in all night, this is a thirsty gen movie. For <laughs> I mean, sure. it is a little bit thirsty gen. Yeah, because... you were born in the wrong century because Mr. Layers over here. You would love a ninety. <laughs> I honestly would love a tunic style jacket like that. They're awesome. Yeah, you've been wanting a Civil War jacket ever since our Lost Boys episode, huh? Uh, I would break so many buttons all the. They made them better back then, man. I can break anything. (laughs) (laughs) Even hearts. So he does reveal both shoulders very slowly and seductively, Mm, and both of them are clean. Clean. There's no wound on them. She smiled when she said that. (laughs) I fucking love a shoulder. Ooh, Ooh. so clean and hairless. There's no cold shoulders over there. Uh, (laughs) It's a winner. Oh. (laughs) So we see his uh, shoulders. Yeah, and and so pretty much they think Boyd is insane. Right, exactly. Um, But then they have to go because it's about to storm. Right. And so now it's dinner time. And Boyd does not like to eat ribs, but they're, and this is kind of a contrast, I think, to the early, the dinner we saw earlier in the movie where they're all just like, hey, what'd you do today, you know? And now everybody's freaky and weird and uncomfortable. I think people were weird in that first dinner scene, but yeah, I, I understand well, yeah, what you're but saying. Yeah. More uncomfortable weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he also says, I only eat ribs as the last resort. There's a conversation between Boyd and Colonel Eyes where Colonel Eyes is like, I'm a vegetarian. Yeah, because I can't not see them as an, the animal they once were. Right. And then, yeah. and then Boyd's like, I only eat meat as the last resort. I think like a cool back and forth. It's a cool back and forth between two cannibals, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but one who delights in cannibalism and the other one who He's has more a reluctant it. cannibal. Exactly. Yeah, yes. We all have been there. It still counts for something, you know? <laughs> 
Yeah. It <laughs> All does. right. Well, so now um, Dewey is lighting some torches. Somehow manages not to light himself on fire, <laughs> although it was a close call. Um, but Boyd is just kind of staring at him through from the barn, and then comes up behind him and hits him in the back of the head with a hammer, and then stabs him in the chest. And Dewey's laughing, and then we find out it was only a dream. Yeah. When that was happening, I looked at Mikey. I was like, "What is?" Happening. Oh, this I'll, is insane. He likes to beat his meat. Oh, oh. gross. <laughs> well, and I think this is kind of seeing that the hunger is in Boyd. Right. Oh, yeah, know? it definitely is. Mm-hmm. Because even when I was watching it tonight, I didn't remember that happening. And I was like, what the hell is going on? I well, don't remember that. It cuts back to Boyd, and he's like really disturbed by the dream. And yes. it just shows that like Ives is not evil because he became a cannibal. He's evil because he's fucking evil. Yeah. Boyd is not the same guy. Right, exactly. Well, and it's interesting, too. Because in a lot of cannibal movies, the fear is getting eaten by the cannibal. But Boyd, what the danger for Boyd is getting turned into a cannibal, right. which I think is just a different element to it, you know. To Mikey's point, Ives was a bad dude his whole life. Right. Or a right. whole adult life or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he became a cannibal, so he is just a bad cannibal. Boyd was a good guy his whole life and just happened to become a cannibal. And sort of handled that the way a good person would handle becoming right. a cannibal, which I realize is an insane sentence to well, say aloud. But at this point, it's like he accidentally drank blood and he ate a little part of a guy's leg who who is already dead to survive. Right. Yes, he didn't murder the guy to eat him. Right, but Ives is all about that murder. And so now they're sitting around outside. They've just had kind of a chess dinner or something where it got real tense for a moment. And so then Boyd goes outside and sits outside with. His knife that he's like not yeah. letting out of his hands. I love this sequence because he is like sitting outside with his huge fuck off knife, mm-hmm. staring at Ives. No, I like yeah. that. I like inside more because he's like falling asleep with his eyes open. Oh and then, yeah, like, Ives finally stands up. He's like he's like puts uh-huh. knife, and then like Martha puts her knife to his throat. And is like yeah. don't kill anybody, please. Yeah. Also, this is when we see the first instance of the sweater. Which oh yeah, I am a fan of that man can yeah. wear a sweater, Mike. Dude, and it's the same color as his eyes. Oh, it's so dreamy. Oh, Guy Pierce can get it in this movie. Um, but so he's sitting outside holding his knife and then Ives comes out just all nonchalant, evil, smarminess, smoking. Yeah. And then Dewey just kind of walks through awkwardly and is like, I'm going to be guys. But I love the conversation that they have and I love that they have I it at this, this point in the movie and it doesn't drag out till the very end. Right. Mm-hmm. Because Ives is saying, hey, I found your uh, Reich up there. This is when he said you didn't finish him. So basically right. saying, yeah, I am who you think I am. Yeah. You know, you're not crazy. The I am what is- you accused me of being in front of everybody, but they right. don't know, but you exactly. know. And he monologue. He, th- he takes a puff of a cigarette, breathes mm-hmm. in the winter air, and he's like, you know, I couldn't do that for a long time. Exactly. His backstory is complicated. I'm really excited to dissect it, because I think you're going to like it once we start really talking about it. I mean, I watched the movie. No, but I mean, I think there's aspects you don't realize yet. Oh, we'll see. I mean, he talks about the backstory right now. You want to talk about it? Yeah. Because his backstory is that he had tuberculosis. Right. Right. Yeah. And he had headaches and he had depression, which I think is, I always think it's interesting when we see a man on screen talking about having depression, because I think that's something we should talk about more. Sure. But but he's pretty much listing everything that like a Young Life commercial would say is a symptom that you need to get essential oils for. Yes. So it's like this tuberculosis. huge, wide range of things. No, I'm just saying the, like the range of things. Oh, yeah. yeah. He went from like tuberculosis to like, depression to- Suicidal ambition. Right, Suicidal to ambition. not thriving to like whatever. Yeah, and headaches. Yeah, and headaches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, I get headaches. I feel you. Yeah. Well, thieves oil on your feet. It'll so, knock that right out. And then that's he says like- that's where your biggest pores are. He's in the army. And he, he <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. 
go, I know my shit, man. I know. You actually use essential oils. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So he, well, he says, he talks about like, well, he heard from an Indian guy that like, if you eat them, the flesh of another, you steal their spirit and it heals yeah, your you wounds. you absorb their strength. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's like, well, I ate the Indian guy. Yeah, and I had to is, try it. And then the way he talks about it, like when I first watched the movie, I thought it was the Indian guy on their party. But he says the party's different. Like he ate the guy to heal himself and then he ends up guiding this party out and eating all them. Yeah, like, like he told the party that he took on the different path. Right. Quote unquote. He took them that way because he wanted to eat them. More people. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He's evil. Yeah. yeah. Because he grew stronger and he was like, hmm, what else can I do? How much more stronger can I get? But he said he started to feel better. And he got a virility, and this is the second time he says virility. And he says happy. Yeah, cannibalism cures depression, guys. But he, well, I mean, you heard it here first. I think Young Life actually has a cannibalism oil. Oh, God. It's the blood of children. Oh. <laughs> but, like, concentrated. So only a few drops on the diffuser. Oh, my God. Yeah, or you can uh, rub it on your feet. Like I like lavender said. oil. It's very relaxing. Some of them smell good, yes. Mm-hmm. But so now he's saying, and Boyd, I know you've already tasted its power too. Yeah. And Boyd is saying it's wrong, and he says morality is the last bastion of a coward, which I think is really interesting. Because he's saying, like, Ives, he cuts his hand. Boyd cuts it. He, he comes close to Boyd, and Boyd slashes at him and cuts his hand. Yeah, and then he, like, holds his hand up in he's front like, of Boyd's Ooh, face. Blood. Because he knows Boyd hasn't fed in a while. Right. And we've also seen Boyd sort of fight off a craving when we saw that little dream sequence or whatever. So, like, it is. He's got a bloodlust. Yeah, it is impacting him, right? Mm -hmm. And he's sort of, he says that. He says the scent always jogs the memory. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And you've felt the potency of coming, of someone else coursing through your veins, which is just real evil. And honestly, vaguely sexual. Yes. There is kind of a sexual undertone to this. The way they die, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But so Boyd knocks him down at this point and tries to cut his throat with a knife. But then Martha's on it because she yeah, don't fuck she won't around. let him have it. Yeah. yeah, and so then drunk sheriff says he's under arrest. And Deputy Dewey, can you come arrest this man? Dewey's not a deputy. I know, but well, he doesn't scream. He plays him under arrest. But he's the guy. But he can't arrest him himself. He's got to get somebody else to come. Well, he's drunk. Right, exactly. But like, also, I mean, like, I like Boyd. He just consists. He's like, no, man, this guy's evil. These guys, like, he's like doing this that they drag him out and put him in chains. Yeah. yeah. But I do like that they think Boyd, who is the good guy the entire movie, is just crazy. Right. And it's a good way to get around. I mean, it, I guess it is sort of playing on the trope of no one believes the guy who's actually right the whole movie mm-hmm. until it ultimately leads to their downfall. Like, it right. very much is that model of a movie that we've seen a lot in a lot of other movies, mm-hmm. but I feel like they do it in a pretty effective, believable way. I'm kind right. of with Jen, where I think it's like, I think it makes a good dichotomy between, like, the Ives is, like, traditional masculinity and Boyd is, like... A complete person. Yeah, well, like, you know, his bravery is still bravery, but it's not, like, traditional masculinity and, sure. like... And the way he acts is different. So, like, and they, they're not used to it. So, they, I mean, I, I really like the metaphor here. So now they're looking for Cleves because he's missing. So Martha is running around. So now Martha goes to the barn door and she sees all of the horses have been butchered and they're hanging upside down, just like in the cave. Just like you would hang meat. Mm-hmm. Yep. But we just saw a curly-haired doctor bandaging up Calhoun's yeah, hand. Yeah, so it can't have been Calhoun that did that. Exactly. Unless he did it, like, a day ago. And it can't right. be Boyd. Um, so she goes to tell the major, and while she's doing that, we see blood start to drip on her face, and then she looks up, and um, Dewey, or David Arquette, is on top of the roof, and he's been gutted just like Toffler was yes. earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very gruesome and gross. Yeah, and so the major immediately thinks it was Boyd. 
Because, I mean, who else would it be also major as a drunk dick? Right. So, and then he goes and punches Boyd for killing Dewey and his horses. And this is the first time we hear the insane 90s punch sound effects <laughs> that I'm Whack. so glad are in Pow. this movie. Yeah. I didn't really notice it. Oh, man. Oh, it's yeah, so insane. It took me out of the movie. It it's honestly sounds like someone is punching like a... I don't know, loose watermelon. It's like wet and thumpy, ladies. So many jokes. (laughs) But you guys know the sound effect when you hear it. But that's every 90s movie with punching in it. Yeah. It's not just this movie. So now they've got Boyd arrested and he's chained up. And the major says that Boyd is going to have to be transported to a prison. And since all their horses are dead, Martha is going to have to go on foot and bring someone back to help them transport Boyd to the prison. And Martha, and they're like, "Does it? Will anybody yeah, volunteer?" I was going to say, "Uh huh." He doesn't say Martha's going to have to go. He's like, "Does anybody want to volunteer?" And she's like, "I'll fucking leave." Exactly. Right now. Yeah, I don't want any piece of this shit. Yeah, and she literally, I think, right then gets up and leaves. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, "Oh yeah, I can leave." Which okay. is so so funny the way she Bye. just raises her hand. She's like, "Yep." Yeah, Me. it's awesome. Here we go. All right. So now we got Boyd in chains. Your fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. I mean, that sweater. <laughs> so now Ives is cooking and Boyd's trying to get someone's attention. And the major has noticed that his sword is missing. Yeah. And so Boyd is asking. When was he supposed to kill the horses? Yeah. When did this happen? Ives the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then he, he yells to the major. He's like, major, I just want to know you're still alive. You yell back. And he's like. Fuck you, boy. And he's like, right. oh, thank God. Oh, okay. Yeah, because cool. they're like in two separate rooms. Like, right. um, the major's in the kitchen room. Mm-hmm. with it's a kitchenette. Yeah, with Ives, mm-hmm. who is cooking. Yeah. And Boyd is like in a, I think it might be in even, in, even in a different like house or different yeah. building. But he's but isolated. It's close, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then the major walks back over there and he's like, shut up. I'm not talking to you. You're the bad guy and closes the door. But so we're seeing somebody moving in the background yeah. and we can't tell who it is. And it is pretty eerie. Well, I honestly thought it was Ives because he's going back into the room that Ives is in cooking. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's just Ives. But you see him holding the sword. Yes. So I assumed that Ives was now holding the sword. But as soon as the Major Knox gets back in the, the kitchenette room, mm-hmm. we see Ives like stirring the pot. Uh-huh. And then you hear the major dies. Yes, but we see that it's not Ives that does right, it. Right, but you don't yeah. see who it is just yet. We do it in like 30 seconds. Yeah, because the door opens and then surprise, right. it's Principal Rooney with blood all over his face. Right, the door mm-hmm. to where Boyd is. Right, yeah. right. And he's like, I bet you thought I was dead, huh? We did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah and he's did. he's the one who killed Cleves and the horses. And so then we get a little bit of his backstory. He thought he was dead and he was like drowning in darkness. But then he woke up and Ives was feeding him. And at that point, it was too late to go back right. because he like your choice was either keep eating or die. So he just went with it. I did sort of like uh, maybe it's a little bit later than this scene. But when Boyd is talking to Principal Rooney and Principal Rooney is like, well, it's hard to make friends as a cannibal. Oh, that is when it happens. So like, why? Let's just be friends. Exactly. Exactly. Like, we we, just, we're going to get yeah, you in the fold. But exactly. first he's like, but I feel terrific. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he does. But right. they want to bring Boyd into the fold. And so. Yeah, because Boyd's like, you're going to kill me. And you're like, no. No, no, no. Here's we've our seen, evil plan. Yeah, yeah. We've seen you in a sweater. We want to keep you around. Our evil plan is just to bro down with you until summer. 
yeah. when people are going to be passing through this fort. And they're like, mm-hmm. we're not going to kill indiscriminately. We're not going to break up families. Yeah, exactly. we'll just kill drifters and loners and whatever. Yeah. It'll be delicious and great. And while all this is happening, because this is because what you're saying is what Ives is saying to him to try to convince right, him. Exactly. And, then, and in the background, Principal Rooney is just hacking the shit out of this body. <laughs> and it's I didn't notice it. And yeah, I think until I, I watched it, it this time, yeah. it's like, fuck, that's really dark. But that's one of those like humorous, like black comedy moments in this right, movie. Sure. I'm like, shit. Um, but this is when he starts talking about manifest destiny and westward expansion. And I think there's a real clear metaphor there between cannibalism and manifest destiny and people, well, European settlers coming over and thinking this is just theirs for the taking and they can do whatever they want and they can destroy things that are here if it makes them stronger and that's okay. And so what... Like what we've been talking about, Ives just sees this as opportunity for him rather in in a way that Boyd doesn't because Boyd is just trying to survive. And I get the feeling that Boyd would work on the land in peace with what is around him because he's concerned with just maintaining his own life. But Ives wants to take over. Also, I think this is where Boyd goes from just defending themselves to like, oh, shit, they have an evil plan. Yeah, yeah. this like, is I've bad. I've got to stop them. Yeah, and I, I have, have to, to kill stop them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But then, and an interesting thing I've says here is he says, it's not courage to resist, it's courage to accept. And that kind of goes into the coward theme that we've had going with Boyd. Yeah, but he tries to spin this web about, you know, you're being a coward by not joining us. Right, exactly. You're taking the coward's way out by not giving into your cravings and whatever. It's, right. it's just a bunch of crap, man. Like I it hate is. It. I mean, I, I like that Ives is saying it, but it makes me hate Ives even more. Because it's presenting courage as doing whatever you want, no matter who you hurt. Which is, yeah. like, I like the metaphor of like the masculinity thing. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I think this is a feminist movie, because it's painting that in a negative light. I really like it because I'm masculine, but I'm not like traditionally masculine or like toxically mad because like i think i'm like i do brave things that lift my career and like but it's like helping people it's like not traditional roles for like a man and things like that like i mean yeah i like to help people and be kind and i think that's very brave and like not traditionally masculine like i don't think i need to go out and like kill people or like save you know like although i would say that people who do that sort of work are brave right police officers or people in the armed services or whatever like there is bravery and i mean bravery is such like a wide swath of things because bravery just requires fear to stand in the face of stuff Mm -hmm. right exactly so like it's fine but i don't feel like bravery is giving into your urges of and doing exactly also i think i think doing the right thing is brave. But yeah. Boyd says he can't, and then Ives is like, okay, well, I'm going to stab you, and just stabs and the does. fuck out of him. But he stabs mm-hmm. him in a way that he's going to die slowly. Yes. And then he goes and cooks a Knox stew. Yeah, stew time. Yeah. But so they're feeding him this stew to try to fix him up, and they're just basically making him choose. You're either going to die slowly by bleeding to death, or you're going to give in to this and eat the stew. I like the scene, and I I like to think that he is thinking about it, and he's like, well, if I don't live, there'll be no one to stop these people. I think that's why he eats. I think that's why he eats. There's no dialogue that says that, but I I feel like that is conveyed in this scene. So, yes, I agree with that completely. Because he's sort of looking around and, like, hearing them talk about their plan, and then he's like, fuck, I got to eat. Right. So So he's doing, like, he's doing something he wouldn't agree with to get to a point where he can do something right. Right. Exactly. Because we're going to see later on, it's not that he's afraid to die. Right. I think he just wants to do the right thing. Yeah, he just wants to make sure Mm -hmm. that these people don't hurt people. Yeah. Right. But now we see, like, a, a couple of days later or something, he's feeling better. And the general is on his way back now. Um, so Boyd is still chained up, but Rooney brings him into another room and there's his old t- office. 
Yeah, but all his books are gone. But he still got his nuts and his <laughs> in his nut knife. <laughs> Boyd convinces him to give up. Well, I think Rooney also is not. Kind of, he is admitting that he doesn't really like this life that he's living. Well, it's after he pushes because like. Rooney's like, join us, blah, blah, blah. And he's talking about Aristotle. And he's like, well, Aristotle's about truth. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, I have nightmares about everyone I've heard in my life. I know that you're a good guy. And, like, mm-hmm. you have to feel this. And this is not right. And you have to know it deep down. Let me loose and, like, make make us stop this. Yeah, because he says, I can't live like this anymore. Right. And you have to kill me. So they me. have this deep conversation where, yeah. you know, Rooney regrets killing mm-hmm. and, like, lets him go. Yeah. Well, And, and asks, gives him a knife. Yeah, yeah. And asks him to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. And Boyd's like, okay, and Which, he just walks right up to him and kills him. Which I think, going to your point, Jen, is not this is not a traditional scene in a movie because, like, what movie has it where like a guy convinces him he's done wrong and doesn't like break out all manly style and breaks the change and like kills the guy and sneaks off? He convinces the guy that they're doing the wrong thing. I think this is like a really interesting part of the movie. Yeah, and so then Rooney dies, but Calhoun sees Rooney die. Ives walks up outside of a window that has covered in blood, so he like sees it all happen, mm-hmm. and he's just blood. like, "Oh, well, that was unfortunate." Boyd takes uh, Raphael's uh, sigh. <laughs> it is a uh-huh. sigh, which I don't think <laughs> you can slice the throat with. Right. I thought he just stabbed him through the neck. In truth, you don't know. I don't know. You yeah, don't see. we don't like, see. Why is the yeah. Ninja Turtle weapon here? <laughs> so now this is when we start the big Boyd um, Ives fight, yeah. which is going to end this movie. Yes. All right. So they start fighting. And it's I love the way this plays out because it's not like a whole lot of sword fight evasion. They're just kind of beating the shit out of each other and stabbing, stabbing each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for a while. Oh, but that hasn't started yet because Boyd is wandering around with this sword trying to find Ives for a while and then he sees a gigantic bear trap dun 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 it's bear trap shadow it is bear trap and it's shadowing. weird like he's doing these quick cuts and you'll see Ives with like a blood cross on yeah. his forehead which is so weird it's weird it's almost like the um, the Ash Wednesday thing except it's a cross and it's blood yes I think Ives is putting putting on his war paint mm, because I yeah. think he likes a big fight he wants this I mean I, I do think he wants this I don't understand why he's got a blood cross on his forehead alright but then the roof caves in and he almost lands on Boyd. And this is when, like, Boyd gets him in the gut with a giant pitchfork. And I was like, oh, he's dead. But I guess they have, like, cannibal strength now. Yeah, they're something. cannibal powered. Yeah. So right. they can yeah, take a lot of damage. Yeah. The power to cannibal. Yeah, so Boyd uh-huh. pulls the pitchfork out of Ives and then Ives stabs him. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they just, like, fall on top of each other. <laughs> right. And, like, Stab each other multiple Stabbing times. each other. Yeah. It's a very weird, vaguely sexual scene. It is. It, because they're kind of just, like, facing off and they're not really trying to evade each other. No. They're just trying to beat the shit, yes. stab the shit out of each other because yeah. he like meat cleavers him in the arm. But it also looks like like these are actually hurting them. Then Ives stabs Boyd in the back with this like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle knife and kind of, yeah. and then the roof collapses on Ives and Boyd is able to get away and he goes into the barn where right. he's found the giant bear trap and he's just kind of sitting there waiting and then um, Ives walks in and walking toward him and this again is happening really slowly but I think it's still kind of effective because they're just so bloody and like yeah they're real beat up. up yeah right so like it makes sense that they would be moving slowly you know yeah absolutely um but then they look really closely at each other for like a couple of minutes and there's a very like kind of erotic tension between oh, I even the two said, of them are they gonna kiss yeah yeah and i mean 
they're hot. So. They didn't, but they, they could. Did. I didn't read it like a that vibe. I oh, just you missed out, Mike. It I, I mean, good. I think you could read it that way. I don't necessarily think I do because they're really close to each other, and then Boyd pushes him down into the middle of this bear trap and uses his head to like smash the, to trap. Hit the trap. Yeah, yeah, and so it closes on top of them, stabbing them both and trapping them. And I love the dialogue that happens after this, and I wrote it down because he's like, "That was really sneaky." And he's saying, if you die first, I'm definitely going to eat you, which is what you said. Right. You're yeah. like, he's going to eat him and get strong enough to break out of that trap. Yeah. Um, but then he says, the question is, if I die first, what are you going to do? Which I think is really interesting and kind of just like plays into the theme of Boyd's arc I mean, in this movie. That literally is the morality play that we're watching. Right. Yeah. 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 And he says, bon appetit. And now we see Leo McGarry showing back up. Yes. Who is the general guy? Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Martha, because she went to go get them. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. she's bringing them back. And I think there's some other guy, too. Yeah, he's, um, he's like chief of staff. Right. Because like, <laughs> I've seen him in his telescope, and he's like, ooh, breakfast, lunch, and reinforcements. That's oh, right. That's yeah. right. They plan to the, yeah, yeah. the, you know, turn the general into a cannibal. Mm-hmm. Or eat the general. But the general just helps himself to some people stew. And becomes a cannibal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we don't see any more of that, but we're led to believe. It's like an ominous undertone to the yeah. continuation of this story. And so then we see... Um, Ives dies. He exhales for like a long time. It is an uncomfortable length of exhale. I yeah, know. it's an insane breath. It's got some good breath support, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's one hell of a diaphragm. Yeah, let's see how long Mike can keep going. I've heard that before. <laughs> and I did. And then <laughs> and I'm done. And so after he dies, Boyd is just kind of laying his head down and chilling. Um and then Martha comes in and sees them through a hole in the door and she just nopes the fuck out. Yeah, I she, love Martha. She's like this place sucks. Yeah, nope. and she leaves. She doesn't just close the door again. She like walks out of the fort never to return. Right. And then Boyd dies. Yes. And that's, and then the, that's movie. the movie. Yeah. And roll credit. Yeah. <laughs> so having seen the movie and talked about it, what do you guys think about it? I really loved it. I still really like it. I yeah. like I like seeing it stuff through Jen's eyes. I thought it was silly and a dark sort of comedy. Yeah. Horror movie? Question mark? Okay. So, and I was- Different music and it definitely would be. Yeah. If it was done as a horror movie, like if it was shot and filmed and then edited as a horror movie, I could definitely see this being a horror movie, but- I definitely, I think I would call it a horror comedy. That's what it's called. But I would put it horror first. I would not call it a comedy horror movie. Sure. Because it is like, I mean- like you were saying, change a couple elements and it's a horror movie. You know, whereas yeah. like Ghostbusters change a couple elements and it's a comedy. I think only, it would work better you know? if it leaned more into the horror elements. I don't know. I kind of like how quirky it is. It's a very lighthearted cannibal movie. It is, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I really liked it. I did like it. I think I really connect with this movie because, and I'll, I'll do, a, I'll pull some Jen stuff here. Is it because like I, a lot of people mistake me as like some like frat bro. I could see that. Right. But like really. Not like, well, no, with, I don't think you are, with, like, but I can see how at a glance, and, like, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, I dress, I dress the part, I guess. Yeah, I'm pretty preppy dressed, and you know, I make some jokes and I laugh a lot. And but I, I don't feel like that because I don't treat women like that. And I don't, and I'm like, podcast jokes aside, I mean, you guys know me, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I definitely can see why someone who did not know you thought 
of you that way. Right. Yeah. So it was hard for me to kind of find my place in like a world of like masculinity like that. Does that yeah. make sense to you well, guys? Well, because yeah. that world of masculinity is not good for anybody. Like the most masculine character, I mean, arguably you could argue that Ives is, but like if you look at Reich, that right. character, he's just like all military gung-ho. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a member of the armed services. What I'm saying is like he puts that like bravado above everything else and he ends up dying. Well, yeah, because the smart thing would have been like not go into the trap and like retreat treat and fight again which is boyd's mo right, right. Yeah. exactly and that's painted as brave that's painted as cowardly but what i think the movie brings out is that it's not actually cowardly well, it's just a human reaction yeah. yeah i mean but i think i see myself in boyd a lot more than i do in ives just because i grew up like loving musicals and i am the most effeminate man you can be and still really like women yeah and there's nothing wrong with you because you embrace like things no. that you actually like. Yeah. yeah. And that's how the patriarchy hurts everybody. Yeah. Is because right. it tells men that they have to be this masculine facade instead of allowing them to be who they want to be. I don't think. I was impacted by that at all because both of my parents were like, oh, yeah, we like musicals. And like I, yeah. di I didn't have a figure like an adult figure in my life who was like, you have to be a man man or whatever. Like mm. when I came out as like loving musicals, my dad was like, sweet. I've been in Oklahoma three times. Here's the old VHS of me singing Oklahoma when the wind comes moving on the plane. So like it wasn't a big deal. Okay. So I grew up in like a very like sports driven. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Thing. So, like, and then like after my parents divorced, my mom raised me. So I got a lot more like a sensitive kind of upbringing. Yeah, because we are a generation raised by women. But what I think is great about this movie is it presents male characters it, well, it presents Boyd, who is a male character, dealing with trauma and being hurt and showing weakness. And that is praised in this movie. Like, right. that is what's embraced. And the mm -hmm. masculine is what is the negative. I connected more with it now than I think I did back then. I just like the quirkiness of it and how different it was. Right. Probably because you're a more actualized man than you were when you first saw it. No shit. That's 14, 15. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. <laughs> well, let's talk box office, guys. All right. So what do you think the budget for this movie was? Oh. 15, 20 million? Uh, 15, 5 million? 10. Okay. How many more guesses do you want? <laughs> 10. I'm going to go with 10. 10 12. million and final 1. 12.5 okay. million. Uh, wh what is your final answer? 12.5 million. All right. So the budget for this movie was $12 million. Well, let me just say this it bombed. Yeah. I know it bombed. It did real bad. Mm -hmm. So in its opening weekend, it made $1 million, Ooh. which is real bad. Yeah. And it made worldwide gross for its entire theatrical run, $2 million, e which is a real bad. Yeah. This movie ruined people's careers. A fun fact about the box office, in its opening weekend, it came in 18th. It came in right behind Saving Private Ryan, and Saving Private Ryan was in its 35th week. Oh. So it couldn't even beat Saving Private Ryan that had been out for 35 weeks, Jeez. more than half a year. That's like eight months oh. of it being in theaters, and it's still at a better weekend than this opening weekend. And I feel like if this movie came out now, it would come out on VOD, and it would be one of those word-of-mouth movies that would do oh, really yeah, well, kind of like an Anna and the Apocalypse kind of movie, you know? Not for $12 million. If you made this movie well, for a million dollars, it would have made a good amount of money. So right. you would have had to have a no-name cast. So it did real bad. 
The director of this movie never directed a feature film again. I don't imagine because of how bad this did. Fun fact about that. Well, let's let, okay. So that's all box office. Let's look <laughs> at right. fun facts. Okay, chance fun facts. <laughs> the production of this movie was extremely troubled. So the first director, he worked for about three weeks and had a lot of clashes with the studio, and he got fired. So then they brought on the second director, and his only other credit was Home Alone Three. What? Yep. And the cast said no fucking way and they mutinied and that guy got fired and so then Robert Carlyle had been working with Antonia Boyd and he really fought for her to get hired and so with a week and having no connection to the story before she came in and finished the movie so I mean I don't think it's a perfect directing feat but I do think like she was able to get this movie made on the time frame that it was done you know I wonder how far into the movie she came in I don't know like how much of it was shot by the time she came in most of pre-production had to be done so like all all these decisions were probably made. Exactly, yeah. And she didn't have any say in writing it. Now, now also know in post-production, they added some elements in that she had not approved, too. Like the quotes at the beginning, she didn't want that. Oh, my God. So it yeah. was just real, like, it's kind of surprising that it actually got made, you know, given how much trouble it had. Yeah. She and Robert Carlyle had worked together, and I wonder if she continued to work in just some other capacity. She did. I mean, yeah. she directed a lot of TV movies. Mm, she okay. never did a feature film, but she worked until she died in 2013. Yeah, okay. she did die pretty recently. It was sad. So this was John Spencer's last theatrical role before he took the role of Leo McGarry and we love him for that. so good. But he died in in the West Wing. Oh, it's so sad. I mean, he died, sorry, during the run of the West Wing, which is a plot point in the West Wing. Yeah. Watch the West Wing, guys. Yeah, please. It's amazing. So Martha's part was originally written as a man. Okay, and they change, and I'm not exactly sure why they made that change. Although I am glad because, like, if I'm identifying with anybody in this movie, a little bit boy, but I'm looking at Martha and I'm like, I'm gonna let all these men figure all this shit out, and I'm gonna peace out and deal with my own problems, you know. Although to the point, to your point, I think it could have been a man, and it wouldn't have made a difference. I in think the so story. too. But yeah, Martha's just a great character. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. This so the original ending of this, they weren't going to have the fight that they have. It was going to be a much more elaborate fight on like rooftops that were burning, and it was going to be much more like action oriented. <laughs> and apparently, they had run out of fake blood. And I don't know if that's why they couldn't do this, but apparently, uh, Robert Carlyle and Guy Pierce were like, "Okay, well, let's just beat the shit out of each other with a bunch of knives." So they kind of improvised a lot of that. It does scene. look like it is improvised. It does. Yeah. But I kind of like that. It kind of has a, a much like a more realistic quality to it, you know, than like jumping on a bunch of crazy roofs, you know? Well, I mean, I did keep wondering, like, okay, if you're a cannibal and it gives you special powers, what are those powers? Are you like super strong or is it just healing powers? And it looks like it just heals you. It doesn't look like it gives right. you like... No, I think it gives you strength. It, but we don't really ever see that. We do because Colonel, he crushes the walnuts with his hands and he had to use other stuff before. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. okay, you're yeah. right. He had to use his book before. And when uh, Soldier Boy originally shoots at Ives, he, he like, vanishes. Bop. Yeah, dodges mm. the So bullet, there, yeah. apparently you can disapparate too. But it's not like Iron Man just bopping around. It's and like, like when bullets. the two Wolverines fight in Logan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, there's obviously a connection to the Donner Party, which right. is... A story I feel like a lot of people already know. Um, in 1846, 90 immigrants traveled west. They became trapped in the Sierra Nevada mountains, which are the same mountains here. And they had to resort to cannibalism to survive. 
And there's, I'm sure you can find a million podcasts that are going to give you more of that backstory. I'll link an article that kind of explains it in a little more detail. But I also found the case of Alfred Packer. Have you heard of him? Yeah, that's the Cannibal the Musical. Yeah, Cannibal the Musical is based off of him. So he and his story is insane because he was a real person. And I will link an article to this. But he went on a trip across the West with five other people. They got to camp and he ended up at camp alone and in very good shape. And he said that the men in his party had died along the trail. But then when they investigated and they got to his campsite, they saw basically everybody strung up kind of like uh, we saw in the cave here. So I think they took a lot of elements. So that's how they were like, well, this story doesn't really check out. Um, He ended up confessing in a couple of different ways. So we're not, we're not exactly sure what happened, but he went to jail for 18 years but for nine of those years, he escaped, and he was on the loose for like nine years. And then I'm not exactly sure how the time frame no, lies West up. But and it was sort of right. Old West time yeah. period, so yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. That's Alfred Packer, which I thought was really interesting. And I'll link more information about that. And just watch Cannibal the Musical. It's right. the South Park guys doing a musical right. about a cannibal. It's worth watching. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, and then I'm also going to link some more about the Wendigo, or the Wendigo, which is a mythological spirit or creature from folklore from the First Nations Algonquin tribes and said to invoke acts of murder, cannibalism, and greed. So that is a real legend. Um, we saw it in Pet Cemetery. Yes. And I will link some more information about it. Oh, and my last fun fact, Guy Pierce and actually Antonia Bird are both vegetarians. Oh. So apparently when he was eating that stew in the, the stew scene, he would just chew it and then spit it out and then keep going. And he was just a real good sport about it. That's awesome. Yeah. And those are my fun facts. Well, thank you for your fun facts. Oh, you're welcome. Well, let's do the scary scale. Hey, listeners. Our scary scale is a scale we use to rank how scared we were tonight when we watched the movie. It's not a ranking of the quality of the film. It's how scared we were today. Our one example is Ghostbusters. Our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Todd, what you got? I'm going to give it a one. Because it's not scary. It's very strange. Mm. I don't think it's bad. Yeah. It's, I will never watch it again. It's just a weird movie. Mikey, what do you think? I mean, I'm going to give it a one. Yeah. All right. It's not scary. I'm going to give it a two because of the blood and the gore. Elements. All right, sure. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think it's really scary, and I think I really enjoyed watching it, but yeah, it's it's just real quirky. It is quirky. And I think the themes are more horrific than what we actually see. And that's our scary scale. All right. So this week, you guys made me watch the thriller horror comedy Ravenous. <laughs> what are you guys making me watch next week? Well, Todd, we're not making you watch anything next listener week. Listener request. It's listener request time. And guys, oh my gosh, I'm so excited because the one I wanted to win actually won. I was sure it was going to be Aliens. You were, In fact, yeah. I went ahead and made the winning art yep. for Aliens. You did. And then oh, you guys proved me wrong yep. and picked a movie I've never heard of ah, called Hush. In, yeah, so we're watching Hush next week, and it is on Netflix now, so check it out. Yeah, and then I get to talk about my new best friend, Mike Flanagan, who retweeted me and commented on some stuff. But yeah, this is Mike Flanagan. This is the first movie I had watched by him, and he is my favorite director right now, so I'm so oh. excited. Well, because, you know, he you guys are like yeah. best friends now. Yeah, I mean, I get yeah. it. That's Do you follow you on Twitter? No. <laughs> You had to bring that up. <laughs> well, all right, guys. Watch uh, Hush for next week. Okay. Uh, this one's by Lynn the Teacher. Ooh. I hear good things about teachers. They're awesome. She titles this review, Quality. Nice. Okay. Uh. I'm real picky about my podcasts. 
Okay. So before I even decide if I like the people or the content, the sound and editing have to be quality work. Mm. Why, thank you so Shout much. Shout out to Todd. Why, thank you so, <laughs> so much. This podcast has quality and fun. Oh. I heard you guys on the Syncast podcast and decided oh. you were definitely oh, worth yeah. a try. Syncast. We actually had lunch with those guys last week. Yeah, we did. They're great. I've been hooked ever since. I even watched Jack freaking Frost. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never get that time Ooh. back. No, it you was, will not. It yep. was worth it for the podcast. I will say none of us had seen that movie when we picked it. <laughs> yeah, sorry no, that about that. That was so weird. Okay, keep doing what you're doing, Aww. and we'll keep listening. Oh, well, thank, thank you, you so much, Lynn, the teacher. Five stars. And if you want us to read your review, leave all you got to do is review. leave a review. Yeah, it's yeah, easy. I've done an accident. Leave it. If you want an accident or something, something weird, I'll, I'll yeah, do it in an accident. Yeah. So, guys, if you have Apple iTunes, leave a review. If you don't, just tell your friends, family, and coworkers about the show like you guys are currently doing because we've been growing a lot in the past two and three months. It's been awesome. Yeah. So we are a member of the Consequence Podcast Network. Yes, so if you would do us a favor and check out their awesome shows like This Must Be the Gig, The Fifth Dimension, the Kyle Meredith With. The Assembly, all of them are great, great yep. podcasts. A good mix of music and horror podcasts like The Losers Club yes. and The Halloweenies. Yes. So and guys, check them out. Also, they have a tune-in radio, digital radio channel that runs a weekly show called Relevant Content, and we are now on that. I think we're running weekly on their digital radio, awesome. so check that out, too. Yeah, and if you guys want to follow us online, go to horrorvirgin.com. We can get Jen's blog and the links to our merch store. If you want to follow us on socials, we are at horrorvirgin. Mikey is at M Randolph 24. Jen is at Jen with two N's for yep. Ratu. And I am at Todd J. Awesome. And if you guys can help financially support the show, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin. We got a lot of great perks at a lot of great levels. We do two bonus episodes a month. Yeah. We got a lot of great bonus video content. Jen's been doing an outsider series. Yes. So there's a lot of great stuff on Patreon, guys. So check mm -hmm. out uh, and help support the show if you can. If you can't and you still want daily free content, go to the Facebook group. And join there. There's a, like 600 members now. It's awesome. You yeah. guys are amazing. It's an amazing community of a lot of great, like-minded, fun people. It is. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah. And that's going to be it from us tonight, guys. It's snowing. It is snowing, I yes. can confirm that it is. I have to drive home at 1130 at night in the snow. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. This was so much fun. I love this movie. I'm Jen. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror version, Todd. <laughs> have an amazing week. Bye. Guys, I'm hungry. Cannibal nerds. <laughs> this dude did look good. Was there, What was your fun fact about that? I said it. Oh, that he spit it yeah. out? I uh -huh. needed, I needed to chew after Stu from Guy Pierce. Hang on one second. You would let him mama bird it into your baby Ew. bird mouth after chewing it up? And it was people. I like celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is pretty. Did you see the sweater? <laughs> I get it. Consequence Podcast Network.